Title 2 Contracts, Chapter 1, General Provisions, Article 1305. A contract is a meeting of minds between two persons whereby one binds himself with respect to the other to give something or to render some service. Article 1306, the contracting parties may establish such stipulations, clauses, terms, and conditions as they may deem convenient provided. They are not contrary to law, morals, good customs, public order, or public policy. Article 1307, a nominate contract shall be regulated by the stipulations of the parties, by the provisions of Title 1 and 2 of this book, by the rules governing the, mo the most analogous nominate contracts, and by the customs of the place. Article 1308, the contracts must bind both contracting parties. Its validity or compliance cannot be left to the will of one of them. Article 1309, the determination of the performance may be left to a third person whose decision shall not be binding until it has been made known to both contracting parties. Article 1310, the determination shall not be obligatory if it is evidently inequitable. In such case, the courts shall decide what is equitable under the circumstances. Article 1311, contracts take effect only between the parties, their assigns, and heirs, except in case where the rights and obligations arising from the contract are not transmissible by their nature, or by stipulation or by provision of law. The heir is not liable beyond the value of the property he received from the decedent. If a contract should contain some stipulation in favor of a third person, he may demand its fulfillment provided he communicated his acceptance to the obligor before its revocation. A mere incidental benefit or interest of a person is not sufficient. The contracting parties must have clearly and deliberately conferred a favor upon a third person. Article 1312, in contracts creating real rights, third persons who come into possession of the object of the contract are bound thereby, subject to the provisions of the mortgage law and the land registration laws. Article 1313, creditors are protected in cases of contracts intended to defraud them. Article 1314, any third person who induces another to violate his contract shall be liable for damages to the other contracting party. Article 1315, contracts are perfected by mere consent and from that moment, the parties are bound not only to the fulfillment of what has been expressly stipulated but also to all the consequences which according to their nature may be in keeping with good faith, usage, and law. Article 1316, real contracts such as deposit, pledge, and comodatum are not perfected until the delivery of the object of the obligation. Article 1317, no one may contract in the name of another without being authorized by the latter or unless he has by law a right to represent him. A contract entered into in the name of another by one who has no authority or legal representation or who has acted beyond his powers shall be unenforceable unless it is ratified expressly or impliedly by the person on whose behalf it has been executed before it is revoked by the other contracting parties. We go to Chapter 2, Essential Requisites of Contracts. General Provisions, Article 1318. There is no contract unless the following requisites concur. Number 1, Consent of the Contracting Parties. Number 2, Object Certain, which is the subject matter of the contract. Number 3, Cost of the Obligation, which is established. Section 1. Consent. Article 1.319. Consent is manifested by the meeting of the offer 
and the acceptance upon the thing and the cost which are to constitute the contract. The offer must be certain and the acceptable absolute. A qualified acceptance constitutes a counteroffer. Acceptance made by letter or telegram does not bind the offerer except from the time it came to his knowledge. The contract in such a case is presumed to have been entered into in the place where the offer was made. Article 1320, an acceptance may be expressed or implied. Article 1321, the person making the offer may fix the time, place, and manner of acceptance, all of which must be complied with. Article 1322, an offer made through an agent is accepted from the time acceptance is communicated to him. Article 1323, an offer becomes ineffective upon the death, civil interdiction, insanity, or insolvency of either party before acceptance is conveyed. Article 1324, when the offerer has allowed the offeree a certain period to accept, the offer may be withdrawn at any time before acceptance by communicating such withdrawal, except when the option is founded upon a consideration as something paid or promised. Article 1325, unless it appears otherwise, business advertisements of things for sale are not definite offers but mere invitations to make an offer. Article 1326, advertisements for bidders are simply invitations to make proposals and the advertiser is not bound to accept the highest or lowest bidder unless the contrary appears. Article 1327, the following cannot give consent to a contract. Number 1, unemancipated minors. Number 2, insane or demented persons and deaf mutes who do not know how to write. Article 1328, contracts entered into during a lucid interval are valid. Contracts agreed to in a state of drunkenness or during a hypnotic spell are voidable. Article 1331, in order that mistake may invalidate consent, it should refer to the subject of the thing which is the object of the contract or to those conditions which have principally moved one or both parties to enter into the contract. Mistake as to the identity or qualifications of one of the parties will vitiate consent only when such identity or qualifications have been the principal cause of the con of the contract. A simple mistake of account shall give rise to its correction. Article 1332. When one of the parties is unable to read or if the contract is in a language not understood by him and mistake or fraud is alleged, the person enforcing the contract must show that the terms thereof have been fully explained to the former. Article 1333, there is no mistake if the party alleging it knew the doubt, contingency, or risk affecting the object of the contract. Article 1334, mutual error as to the legal effect of an agreement when the real purpose of the parties is frustrated may vitiate consent. Article 1335, there is violence when in order to wrest consent, serious or irresistible force is employed. There is intimidation when one of the contracting parties is compelled by a reasonable and well-grounded fear of an imminent and grave evil upon his person or property or upon the person or property of his spouse, descendants, or ascendants to give his consent. To determine the degree of the intimidation, the age, sex, and condition of the person shall be borne in mind. A threat to enforce one's claim through competent authority if the claim is just or legal does not vitiate consent. Article 1336, violence or intimidation shall annul the obligation, although it may have been employed by a third person who did not take part in the contract. Article 1337, 
There is undue influence when a person takes improper advantage of his power over the will of another, depriving the latter of a reasonable freedom of choice. The following circumstances shall be considered the confidential family, spiritual, and other relations between the parties or the fact that the person alleged to have been unduly influenced was suffering from mental weakness or was ignorant or in financial distress. Article 1338, there is fraud when through insidious words or machinations of one of the contracting parties, the other is induced to enter into a contract which without them he would not have agreed to. Article 1339, failure to disclose facts when there is a duty to reveal them as when the parties are bound by confidential relations constitutes fraud. Article 1340, the usual exaggerations in trade when the other party had an opportunity to know the facts are not in themselves fraudulent. Article 1341, a mere expression of an opinion does not signify fraud unless made by an expert and the other party has relied on the former special knowledge. Article 1342, misrepresentation by a third person does not vitiate consent unless such misrepresentation has created substantial mistake and the same is mutual. Article 1343, misrepresentation made in good faith is not fraudulent but may constitute error. Article 1344, in order that fraud may make a contract voidable, it should be serious and should not have been employed by both contracting parties. Incidental fraud only obliges the person employing it to pay damages. Article 1345, simulation of a contract may be absolute or relative. The former takes place when the parties do not intend to be bound at all. The latter when the parties conceal their true agreement. Article 1346, an absolutely simulated or fictitious contract is void. A relative simulation when it does not prejudice a third person and is not intended for any purpose contrary to law, morals, good customs, public order, or public policy binds the parties to their real agreement. Section 2, Objects of Contracts. Article 1347, all things which are not outside the commerce of men, including future things, may be the object of a contract. All rights which are not intransmissible may also be the object of contracts. No contract may be entered into upon future inheritance except in cases expressly authorized by law. All services which are not contrary to law, morals, good customs, public order, or public policy may likewise be the object of a contract. Article 1348, impossible things or services cannot be the object of contracts. Article 1349, the objects of every contract must, de must be determinate as to its kind. The fact that the quantity is not determinate shall not be an obstacle to the existence of the contract, provided it is possible to determine the same without the need of a new contract between the parties. Section 3, Cause of Contracts, Article 1350. In onerous contracts, the cause is understood to be for each contracting party the prestation or promise of a thing or service by the other. In remuneratory ones, the service or benefit which is remunerated and in contracts of pure beneficence, the mere liberality of the benefactor. Article 1351, the particular motives of the parties in entering into a contract are different from the cause thereof. Article 1352, contracts without cause or with unlawful cause produce no effect whatever. The cause is unlawful if it is contrary to law, morals, good customs, public order, or public policy. Article 1353, the statement of a false cause in contract shall render them void if it should not be provide, proved that they were founded upon another cause which is true and unlawful. Article 1354.
Although the cause is not stated in the contract, it is presumed that it exists and is lawful unless the debtor proves the contrary. Article 1355, except in cases specified by law, lesion or inadequacy of cause shall not invalidate a contract unless there has been fraud, mistake, or undue influence. Chapter 3, Form of Contracts, Article 1356, Contracts shall be obligatory in whatever form they may have been entered into provided all the essential requisites for their validity are present. However, when the law requires that the contract be in some form in order that it may be valid or enforceable or that the contract be proved in a certain way, that requirement is absolute and indispensable. In such cases, the right of the party stated in the following article cannot be exercised. Article 1357, if the law requires a document or other special form, as in the acts and contracts enumerated in the following article, the contracting parties may compel each other to observe that form once the contract has been perfected. This right may be exercised simultaneously with the action upon the contract. Article 1358, the following must appear in a public document. Number one, acts and contracts which have for their object the creation, transmission, modification, or extinguishment of real rights over immovable property, sales of property, or of an interest therein are governed by Articles 1402, 1403 rather, number 2, and 1405. Number two, the session, repudiation or renunciation of hereditary rights or of those of the conjugal partnership of gains. Number three, the power to administer property or any other power which has for its object an act appearing or which should appear in a public document or should prejudice a third person. Number four, the session of actions or rights proceeding from an act appearing in a public document. All other contracts where the amount involved exceeds 500 pesos must appear in writing even a private one but sales of goods chattels or things in action are governed by articles 1403 number 2 and 1405 chapter 4 reformation of instruments article 1359 when there having been a meeting of the minds of the parties to a contract their true intention is not expressed in the instrument purporting to embody the agreement by reason of mistake fraud inequitable conduct or accident one of the parties may ask for the reformation of the instrument to the end that such true intention may be expressed if mistake fraud inequitable conduct or accident has prevented a meeting of the minds of the parties the proper remedy is not reformation of the instrument but annulment of the contract Article 1360, the principles of the general law on the reformation of instruments are hereby adopted insofar as they are not in conflict with the provisions of this code. Article 1361, when a mutual mistake of the parties causes the failure of the instrument to disclose their real agreement, said instrument may be reformed. Article 1362, if one party was mistaken and the other acted fraudulently or inequitably in such a way that the instrument does not show their true intention, the former may ask for the reformation of the instrument. Article 1363, when one party was mistaken and the other knew or believed that the instrument did not state their real agreement but concealed that fact from the former, the instrument may be reformed. Article 1364, when through the ignorance, lack of skill, negligence, or bad faith on the part of the person drafting the instrument or of the clerk or typist, the instrument does not express the true intention of the parties 
the courts may order that the instrument be reformed. Article 1365, if two parties agree upon the mortgage or pledge of real or personal property, but the instrument states that the property is sold absolutely or with a right of repurchase, reformation of the instrument is proper. Article 1366, there shall be no reformation in the following cases. Number one, simple donations inter vivos, wherein no condition is imposed. Number two, wills. Number three, when the real agreement is void. Article 1367, when one of the parties has brought an action to enforce the instrument, he cannot subsequently ask for its reformation. Article 1368, reformation may be ordered at the instance of either party or his successors in interest if the mistake was mutual, otherwise upon petition of the injured party or his heirs and assigns. Article 1369, the procedure for the reformation of instruments shall be governed by rules of court to, to be promulgated by the Supreme Court. Chapter 5, Interpretation of Contracts. Article 1370, if the terms of a contract are clear and leave no doubt upon the intention of the contracting parties, the literal meaning of its stipulations shall control. If the words appear to be contrary to the evident intention of the parties, the latter shall prevail over the former. Article 1371, in order to judge the intention of the contracting parties, their contemporaneous and subsequent acts shall be principally considered. Article 1372, However general the terms of a contract may be, they shall not be understood to comprehend things that are distinct and cases that are different from those upon which the parties intended to agree. Article 1373, if some stipulation of any contract should admit of several meanings, it shall be understood as bearing that import which is most adequate to render it effectual. Article 1374, the various stipulations of a contract shall be interpreted together, attributing to the doubtful ones that sense which may result from all of them taken jointly. Article 1375 Words which may have different significations shall be understood in that which is most in keeping with the nature and object of the contract. Article 1376 The usage or custom of the place shall be borne in mind in the interpretation of the ambiguities of a contract and shall fail the omission of stipulations which are ordinarily established. Article 1377 The interpretation of obscure words or stipulations in a contract shall not favor the party who caused the obscurity. Article 1378, when it is absolutely impossible, impossible to settle doubts by the rules established in the preceding articles and the doubts refer to incidental circumstances of a gratuitous contract, the least transmission of rights and interests shall prevail. If the contract is onerous, the doubt shall be settled in favor of the greatest reciprocity of interest. If the doubt are cast upon the principal object of the contract in such a way that it cannot be known what may have been the intention or will of the parties, the contract shall be null and void. Article 1379, the principles of interpretation stated in Rule 123 of the Rules of Court shall likewise be observed in the construction of contracts. Chapter 6, Resistible Contracts. Article 1380, contracts validly agreed upon may be rescinded in the cases established by law. Article 1381, the following contracts are resistible. Number 1, those which are entered into by guardians whenever the wards whom they represent suffer lesion by more than one-fourth of the value of the things which are the object thereof. Number two, those agreed upon in representation of absentees, if the latter suffer the lesion stated in the preceding number. Number three, those undertaken in fraud of creditors when the latter cannot in any other manner collect the claims due them.
Number four, those which refer to things under litigation if they have been entered into by the defendant without the knowledge and approval of the litigants or of competent judicial authority. Number five, all other contracts specially declared by law to be subject to rescission. Article 1382, payments made in a state of insolvency for obligations to whose fulfillment the debtor could not be compelled at the time they were affected are also rescissible. Article 1383, the action for rescission is subsidiary. It cannot be instituted except when the party suffering damage has no other legal means to obtain reparation for the same. Article 1384, rescission shall only to the extent shall be only to the extent necessary to cover the damages cost. Article 1385, rescission creates the obligation to return the things which were the object of the contract together with their fruits and the price with its interest. Consequently, it can be carried out only when he who demands rescission can return whatever he may be obliged to restore. Neither shall rescission take place when the things which are the object of the contract are legally in the possession of third persons who did not act in bad faith. In this case, indemnity for damages may be demanded from the person causing the loss. Article 1386, rescission referred to in number 1 and 2 of Article 1381 shall not take place with respect to contracts approved by the courts. Article 1387, all contracts by virtue of which the debtor alienates Property by gratuitous title are presumed to have been entered into in fraud of creditors when the donor did not reserve sufficient property to pay all debts contracted before the donation. Alienations by onerous title are also presumed fraudulent when made by persons against whom some judgment has been rendered in any instance or some writ of attachment has been issued. The decision or attachment need not refer to the property alienated and need not have been obtained by the party seeking the rescission. In addition to these presumptions, the design to defraud creditors may be proved in any other manner recognized by the law of evidence. Article 1388 Whoever acquires in bad faith the things alienated in fraud of creditors shall indemnify the latter for damages suffered by them on account of the alienation whenever due to any cause it should be impossible for him to return them if there are two or more alienations the first acquirer shall be liable first and so on successively article 1389 the action to claim rescission must be commenced within four years for persons under guardianship and for absentees the period of four years shall not begin until the termination of the former's incapacity or until the domicile of the latter is known. Chapter 7. Voidable Contracts Article 1390 The following contracts are voidable or annullable, even though there may have been no damage to the contracting parties. Number 1. Those who those were one of the parties is incapable of giving consent to a contract. Number two, those where the consent is vitiated by mistake, violence, intimidation, undue influence, or fraud. These contracts are binding unless they are annulled by a proper action in court. They are susceptible of ratification. Article 1391, the action for annulment shall be brought within four years. This period shall begin in cases of intimidation, violence, or undue influence from the time the defect of the consent ceases. In case of mistake or fraud from the time of the discovery of the same and when the action refers to contracts entered into by minors or other incapacitated persons from the time the guardianship ceases. 
Article 1392, ratification extinguishes the action to annul avoidable contract. Article 1393, ratification may be effected expressly or tacitly. It is understood that there is a tacit ratification if with knowledge of the reason which renders the contract voidable and such reason having ceased the person who has the right to invoke it should execute an act which necessarily implies an intention to waive his right. Article 1394, ratification may be effected by the guardian of the incapacitated person. Article 1395, ratification does not require the conformity of the contracting party who has no right to bring the action for annulment. Article 1396, ratification cleanses the contract from all its defects from the moment it was constituted. Article 1397, the action for the annulment of contracts may be instituted by all who are thereby obliged principally or subsidiarily. However, persons who are capable cannot allege the incapacity of those with whom they contracted, nor can those who exerted intimidation, violence, or undue influence, or employed fraud, or cause mistake, base their action upon this flaws of the contract. Article 1398, an obligation having been annulled, the contracting party shall restore to each other the things which have been the subject matter of the contract with their fruits and the price with its interest, except in cases provided by law in obligations to render service the value thereof shall be the basis for damages. Article 1399, the defect of the contract consists in the capacity of one of the parties. The incapacitated person is not obliged to make any restitution except in so far as he has been benefited by the thing or price received by him. Article 1400, whenever the person obliged by the decree of annulment to return the thing cannot do so, because it has been lost through his fault, he shall return the fruits received and the value of the thing at the time of the loss with interest from the same date. Article 1401, the action for annulment of contract shall be extinguished when the thing which is the object thereof is lost through the fraud or fault of the person who has a right to institute the proceedings. If the right of action is based upon the incapacity of any one of the contracting parties, the loss of the thing shall not be an obstacle to the success of the action unless said loss took place through the fraud or fault of the plaintiff. Article 1402. As long as one of the contracting parties does not restore what, in virtue of the decree of annulment, he is bound to return, the other cannot be compelled to comply with what is incumbent upon him. Chapter 8. Unenforceable Contracts Article 1403. The following contracts are unenforceable unless they are ratified. Number 1. Those entered into the name of another person by one who has been given no authority or legal representation or who has acted beyond his powers. Number two, those that do not comply with the statute of frauds as set forth in this number. In the following cases, an agreement hereafter made shall be unenforceable by action unless the same or some note or memorandum thereof be in writing and subscribed by the party charged or by his agent. Evidence, therefore, of the agreement cannot be received without the writing or a secondary evidence of its contents. Letter A, an agreement that by its term is not to be performed within a year from the making thereof. Letter B, a special promise to answer for the debt, default, or miscarriage of another. Letter C, an agreement made in consideration of marriage other than a mutual promise to marry. 
Letter D, an agreement for the sale of goods, chattels, or things in action at a price not less than 500 pesos unless the buyer accept and receive part of such goods and chattels or the evidences or some of them of such things in action or pay at the time some part of the purchase money. But when a sale is made by auction and entry is made by the auctioneer in his sales book, at the time of the sale of the amount and kind of property sold, terms of sale, price, names of the purchasers, and persons on whose account the sale is made, it is a sufficient memorandum. Letter E, an agreement for the leasing for a longer period than one year or for the sale of real property or of an interest therein. Letter F, a representation as to the credit of a third person. Number three, those where both parties are incapable of giving consent to a contract. Article 1404, unauthorized contracts are governed by Article 1317 and the principles of agency in Title 10 of this book. Article 1405, contracts infringing the statute of frauds referred to in number 2 of Article 1403 are ratified by the failure to object to the presentation of oral evidence to prove the same or by the acceptance of benefits under them. Article 1406, when a contract is enforceable under the statute of frauds and a public document is necessary for its registration, in the registry of deeds, the parties may avail themselves of the right under Article 1357. Article 1407, in a contract where both parties are incapable of giving consent, express or implied ratification by the parent or guardian, as the case may be, of one of the contracting parties shall give the contract the same effect as if only one of them were incapacitated. If ratification is made by the parents or guardians, as the case may be, of both contracting parties, the contract shall be validated from the inception. Article 1408, unenforceable contracts cannot be assailed by third persons. Chapter 9, Void or Inexistent Contracts. Article 1409, the following contracts are inexistent and void from the beginning. Number 1, those whose cause, object, or purpose is contrary to law, morals, good customs, public order, or public policy. Number 2, those which are absolutely simulated or fictitious. Number 3, those whose cause or object did not exist at the time of the transaction. Number four, those whose object is outside the commerce of men. Number five, those which contemplate an impossible service. Number six, those where the intention of the parties relative to the principal object of the contract cannot be ascertained. Number seven, those expressly prohibited or declared void by law. These contracts cannot be ratified, neither can the right to set up the defense of illegality be waived. Article 1410. The action or defense for the declaration of the inexistence of a contract does not prescribe. Article 1411, when the nullity proceeds from the illegality of the cause or object of the contract and the act constitutes a criminal offense, both parties being in pari delicto, they shall have no action against each other and both shall be prosecuted. Moreover, the provisions of the penal code relative to the disposal of effects or instruments of a crime shall be applicable to the things or the price of the contract. This rule shall be applicable when only one of the parties is guilty, but the innocent one may claim what he has given and shall not be bound to comply with his promise. Article 1412 if the act in which the unlawful or forbidden cause consists does not constitute a criminal offense, the following rules shall be observed. Number one, when the fault is on the part of both contracting parties, neither may recover what he has given by virtue of the contract or demand the performance of the other's undertaking. 
Number two, when only one of the contracting parties is at fault, he cannot recover what he has given by reason of the contract or ask for the fulfillment of what has been promised him. The other, who is not at fault, may demand the return of what he has given without any obligation to comply with his promise. Article 1413, interest paid in excess of the interest allowed by the usury loss may be recovered by the debtor with interest thereon from the date of the payment. Article 1414, when money is paid or property delivered for an illegal purpose, the contract may be repudiated by one of the parties before the purpose has been accomplished or before any damage has been caused to a third person. In such case, the courts may, if the public interest will thus be subserved, allow the parties, party repudiating the contract to recover the money or property. Article 1415, where one of the parties to an illegal contract is incapable of giving consent, the courts may, of the interest of justice, so demands allow recovery of money or property delivered by the incapacitated person. Article 1416, when the agreement is not illegal per se, but is merely prohibited, and the prohibition by the law is designed for the protection of the plaintiff, he may, if public policy is thereby enhanced, recover what he has paid or delivered. Article 1417, when the price of any article or commodity is determined by statute or by authority of law, any person paying any amount in excess of the maximum price allowed may recover such excess. Article 1418, when the law fixes or authorizes the fixing of the maximum number of hours of labor and a contract is entered into whereby a laborer undertakes to work longer than the maximum, thus fixed, he may demand additional compensation for service rendered beyond the time limit. Article 1419, when the law sets or authorizes the setting of a minimum wage for laborers and a contract is agreed upon by which a laborer accepts a lower wage, he shall be entitled to recover the deficiency. Article 1420, in case of a divisible contract, if the legal terms can be separated from the legal ones, the latter may be enforced. Article 1421, the defense of illegality of contracts is not available to third persons whose interests are not directly affected. Article 1422, a contract which is the direct result of a previous illegal contract is also void and inexistent.